This is Megan Martin, and you're listening to the Power Company Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Good to see you. I'll see you tonight, and good luck. Thank you. This time, 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 this What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 63 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I am back in Lander, Wyoming, and uh, but only for a couple of days. I'm headed straight back out to Salt Lake City for the Climb Strong Performance Climbing Coach Seminar, and um, I'm really looking forward to talking with the coaches there about deliberate practice and growth mindset, and uh, just getting to build with everybody out there and you know hearing your ideas and and what you guys are doing uh, that you know that's huge for me that means a lot so um, I'll be out there with uh, Steve Bechtel and and his team of coaches that he's put together for this seminar so um, see you guys out there and uh, after that I'm headed to Bozeman with Nate and we're going to be at Spire Climbing Center November 13th through the 19th we're there all week. We're kind of taking over out there, um, and we appreciate Spire having us out. Uh, we're doing a bunch of workshops. We're also, right now, I'm working out the details for a live podcast with local Kelsey Sather about her interview series, The Work Behind the Body, which features female outdoor athletes. And um, you can find that at thesewordslikerocks.com. Uh, and if you're in Bozeman, You'll be hearing more about that soon. I'm, I'm really excited to get to talk to Kelsey, and we're going to, to do this episode uh, in memory of our mutual friend Inga Perkins, uh, who she's also featured on her series. So really looking forward to that. Uh, and then we'll be in Knoxville the first week of December at Onsite, and we'll be doing a special body tension event at Crux Conditioning in Chattanooga on December 9th. That's our guy Paul Corsaro's new gym in Chatty. He just put up the tension board. Big things are happening over there. So if you haven't and you're in Chatty, go check him out. And hopefully we'll see you there on December 9th. Uh, let's just jump into this thing. Um, Today's guest doesn't really need an intro. All of you know him. All of you know a lot about him, actually, most likely. And uh, the summer I got to sit down during the International Climbers Festival with Tommy Caldwell uh, after I had read his book, The Push, and I was really, really blown away by this book. Uh, I didn't expect much, to be honest. I, I don't hold rock climbers to a very high standard of writing anymore. Um, and maybe that's a problem, but Tommy really, really stepped it up with this book. Um, with the help of Kelly Cordes, uh, he's, he's got a real masterpiece in my opinion here. So if you haven't checked out The Push, you should definitely do that. And if you go to the blog post for this podcast and buy it through our website, we get a little bit of a kickback that helps us and we appreciate any support you can give. But uh, I'm going to just jump into this conversation with Tommy Caldwell about two of the things that I thought really exemplified 
uh, you know, this this process of climbing, this lifestyle of climbing in in the book and in his Dom Wall ascent, and those things were belief and partnership. Maybe don't and I think that the people who think of partnership first are the ones that tend to be the lifers. You know, they're going to be the guys that are like 80 years old sitting in the coffee shop with their old climbing buddies, like talking about the good old days. Like get going, and then it would all kind of lead up to that fall season. And yeah, I think that schedule is super important. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, you just said something really interesting that that you're about your writing that you write with self conscious. You're self conscious when you write. Yeah. And when I read the book, I was pretty blown away at how open it was and how honest it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I really, really appreciate that because I think as climbers, we we oftentimes try to be too tough. We don't want to show our weaknesses. We don't want to be, you know, open with our mistakes. And and you were hugely in the book. And, and I've recommended it to a lot of people just saying, this is one of the best pieces of climbing literature that I've seen in a long time. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's 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 cool that you thought that and you felt that about the book. That's probably the biggest feedback I got. People are shocked at how yeah open and honest and vulnerable it is. Yeah, um, mostly people admire that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's always the so. people out there though that are going to be like try to cut you down. So I've, I've, I haven't gotten too much of that though. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think I I looked at that in terms of the 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 writing that I admire the most is like that. For me, writing the book was much more than just like telling my story. It was about reliving my experiences and and understanding them more myself. It was really cathartic and so you kind of cool. have to go as deep as possible to to have that happen. Yeah, it feels it like, like that like, too. It feels like you're digging into the experience while you're writing it. Yeah, you know? no, writing it. I mean, I got totally obsessed with writing it because I was like, man, I'm I'm like I'm connecting the dots in my life in ways that I just never have before because I've just always been on trips and I've never allowed myself to do that. And I think that's really important. I think it helped me grow a lot. Yeah. Um, and then, but then also there was like, there's sections of it that I would be writing and be like, oh, I don't know if I'd ever want people to read this, but then I would just like force myself to turn that off. Yeah. And I've been through a few experiences in my life that made me okay with that. Sure. With like, just like, I mean, specifically when I went to Kyrgyzstan, when I had this crazy thing in Kyrgyzstan, when I, you know, right. that's, that's a big part of the book. There was this climber that just like was was convinced that we had made the whole thing up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he went insane. on this like six month escapade to try and prove that we were wrong. So not only I, I came back from a very traumatizing trip, now there's somebody like half the world believed that we just made this thing up. And so at that point I was just like, you can't worry about whatever think, what, what other people think. Right. You know, you just have totally. to be as true to yourself. And that's, you know, I always thought about that when I was writing the book. And I, yeah. I had good mentors um, that always pushed me in that direction. You know, Jim Krakauer gave me a lot of editorial feedback as well. Mm -hmm. And he's great in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, as well as Kelly. Cool. Well, there are two, two threads that kind of run throughout the whole book. And when I was watching the Don Wall, and, and to be honest, I'm, I'm not somebody who likes to watch climbing. I think climbing is incredibly boring to watch. You yeah. know, I love it. I love <laughs> doing it. Way, yeah. yeah, it's my whole life, but yeah. I hate watching it. But when the live feed was up of the Don Wall, 
my friends and I were all texting each other like, are you watching this? You have to watch this, you know? And I was glued to the fucking screen watching it. Yeah. And the th- the threads that I think run through all of that are belief and partnership. And I want to start with the belief part. And you talked about in the book that you spent all this time digging a hole to China when you were a kid. Yeah. You know, tell me a little bit about that for the people who haven't read the book yet. Yeah, so I think I start out the book, chapter one, in fact, yeah. starts with me digging a hole, yeah, trying to dig a hole to China when I was four years old. Yeah. And through decomposing granite, so I have this shovel and I'm just like chipping away. Right. Hacking and away I just, I, I mean, I thought that this story was just such a great way to illustrate kind of like what I was naturally born with. <clears throat> I just had this, this like capacity to stick with something really hard and yeah. you know a way that seemed kind of crazy to a lot of people and i'm still mm-hmm. like that and <clears throat> you know i i think that what it is and it's taken me a long time to figure out this out is less that a belief that i'm going to get there um because i'd never you know i'd never really knew if i would get to china you know and right I, it's, and it's more of a love of just being out there, you know? Right, right. Like when I was a kid, I loved the satisfaction of like digging all the time. I didn't, I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe there was a time when I was a four-year-old, I was like, I'm going to dig to China. That's what got me started. But then I just right, realized right. that <laughs> I just love being out there. It was like this meditative thing and it got me out of the house and I was outside and I was working hard and um, I've just always really loved that. And that was the Don Wall too. Like if I was so focused on success, I think I would have given up years ago. Yeah, totally. It was more like when I would, when I would give up because I gave up on several occasions and then I would see what my life was like without this focus of working towards this thing. I didn't like it as much as when I had that focus. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Do you think that's something innate that you were just born with? I mean, that's how you phrased it. Or do you uh, think it's something you picked up I think from it's your a, parents? I think it's or? a combination of things. I think I was innately born with that. I was a pretty socially like shy kid. And so right. I think the digging the whole thing was, you know, my parents had a day at home daycare thing. It got me away from that. Oh and God. So yeah. 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 It's like, I always needed that me time. That was your space. <laughs> that was my space. And I still need that. Still want that. Um, so that's something that's built into me. Um, but I think what happened is I would get maniacally focused on things from a really young age. And then sometimes that would lead to success. Like sometimes I would never get there. I never made it to China, right? But sometimes I would, I would find success. And I think that becomes kind of addicting. Like I realized that if you work really hard for stuff, it can happen. Yeah, totally. And once that happens over, you know, a few times, you start to want that more. <laughs> yeah. Were there ever moments that you remember digging that hole to China where you were like, fuck it, I'm never getting to China. You know, this is I, never going to work. I was so young. <laughs> I was so young back then that I can't. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think my ideas, like at first I was going to, going to go to China and then I was just decided that that was too, too, too hard. So I was just going to dig this big underground fort multiple rooms (laughs) nice that seemed Uh, really easy yeah that seemed like that was gonna be easier um and then eventually i ended up giving up (laughs) yeah well you had bigger things to do maybe not bigger things you had realistic things to do so something about the dom wall that i think is a lot of people miss that's important is just the belief that the thing existed as a free climb to begin with you know a lot of climbers understand climbing and they understand it in terms of difficulty and that the dawn wall was incredibly difficult but they don't necessarily understand because they haven't been around it long enough or they haven't developed or they've not seen what yosemite actually looks like and what those walls can be but 
understanding that you can free climb up that wall is something totally different than looking at an obvious line like a crack or connecting features or something like that. So I think there's a huge amount of belief that goes into just wrapping down that wall and looking for holds. And you spent a lot of time doing this, right? Yeah. Yeah. This started out um, because I I spent 15 years climbing on El Cap previous to right. to starting the Don Wall. Yep. And so I climbed all those crack lines. And mm-hmm. you know, first I did the really obvious ones. Then I did ones that were slightly less obvious. I did all the established <laughs> routes, and then I did my own routes. And then I eventually got to a point where I was like, I know more about this wall than anybody, probably. Yep. Um, probably free climbing. Yep. And. I think I was slightly led in this direction by a good friend of mine, Jim Collins, who's actually one of my mentors on this book. He's a, he's a, he's a funny person to talk about in climbing circles because he, he writes books for, for yeah, business. business. Yeah, business, <laughs> yeah. He's brilliant. And so he, it's like he's this very passionate guy. A lot of people kind of roll their eyes when you talk about like the flywheel and mm-hmm. um, you know the hedgehog concept and all these things that he's come up that apply, with, right. apply to um to business yeah but he's a good friend of mine and he gets so psyched to talking about this stuff and he when i spend time with him it like these things knit themselves together and i think part of like i went and started looking at the don wall uh before i really knew jim that well but then i got to know him and he and, you know we'd go climbing together and he would talk about these things and um you know like the flywheel like i've been doing all these routes on el cap and i've gotten better and better and better and you know trying to connect these dots and i was like man if there's one thing in life that i can be the best in the world at which is this big thing it would be el cap climbing that's yeah. like the only thing that i'm good at really yeah <laughs> and so and the chance to do that you know appealed to me um i think you know most athletes have this you know they're they're attracted to the idea of excellence i guess yeah yeah. and so that was the one place that i could maybe you know find it or get closer to it yeah how much time do you think you spent just wrapping off the top looking for holds trying to figure out if it was going to even be possible oh you know there was you know maybe 20 days over a year something like that yeah um and that's that was what it took to get a vague idea of where the route might go <laughs> right, right, <laughs> like to right. do the moves and be like i think this is where it goes here but really throughout the seven-year process there was tons of times where we'd i'd get to a section that i thought was too hard and then i'd start looking for more alternatives and even even one week before the final go where we sent it i found new variations right and so i mean it, it's it's a massive puzzle like the difference between what's free climbable and what's not on vertical granite is you know, like these tiny, tiny edges. Right. Um, like you could look at it hanging, you, you, you could hang on a rope and look at it and have no idea whether it would go or not. You actually had to sit there and fiddle with the moves. Yep. Try to for, find your balance. Yeah. And see try if it and works. find your balance to figure out if it was possible. And so, yeah, there's, there's seven years of that. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, I hear all the time from clients, from other trainers, other climbers that even spending 20 days on, on a project that's already been bolted, the holds are chalked up and you know where everything goes is crazy. You know, spending 20 days just to determine if you think it might be possible. I mean, that seems huge to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Man, I, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. No, I've never, I haven't really dug into this even in the book that much. Like why I wanted to do that. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, my so my so Kevin Jorgensen, my climbing partner for the John Wall, he yeah. like he thought I was a bit nutty in this way, but he just kept coming back for whatever reason. But he was like, "Dude, you're so optimistic." Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's optimism. I don't know what it is, but we we would be up there and you know ice would be falling down around us, the climb would be wet, and I'd always be wanting to be up there still working on it. And I think it was more than anything, like what I said before, just a love of like the process the mechanics of it mm-hmm. the meditation behind climbing the 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 aspect of being an explorer like we were we were yeah. sort of like doing something on our cap that nobody had done before and that's yep. that's freaking cool for me like i'm a fan yeah. of like ernest shackleton <clears throat> like these 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 arctic explorers and yep. this was my realm where i could do something kind of similar to that yeah and i think that's i mean i think you just hit on it like all those explorers had this belief that they were going out there to reach something yeah they're going there to see something important they're you know that their journey whatever it is they loved that journey and they believed in it yeah you and, know? and you and i think there's boldness attached to that too For like sure. you're you're gonna fail over and over again you might yep. never succeed yep. and you have to be okay with that yeah i'm glad you just defined boldness that way because boldness doesn't have to be just climbing 40 feet above a shitty piece that might blow if you fall you know boldness can just be putting yourself in the line of failure yeah you know yeah it's different for everybody yeah i actually find boldness in terms of like life risking things like i come relatively natural to that right so therefore i don't admire it as much as sure like personal boldness like but like doing something that you might fail on like another main character in this book is alex arnold and he's you know the boldest guy in the world probably in terms of doing things that might kill him right right. but he's never going to try anything at least he hasn't yet that he might fail on he only does things he absolutely knows he's going to succeed on right and so in that way he's like a bit of a pussy really (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i love it i love it yeah another another guy that you know, Ondra came and repeated the Don Wall. Yeah. And you were really gracious in that. And and I loved seeing those posts. How much do you think knowing where the route went, being able to see videos, being able to talk to you and Kevin, how much of the difficulty do you think that removes? Not to take anything away from Adam at all, because we all know he's a ridiculously incredible climber, but... Yeah, I mean, this goes back to that belief thing. Whenever anything in sports gets done for the first time, it tends to get repeated pretty quickly. Yep. Um, and that's just that whole, like, believing that can be done. Like, if it's been done, you just know that. So that's the that's the major hurdle in my mind. But the, having said that, the fact that Adam came as a very inexperienced trad climber, sure, sure, <laughs> had really sure, climbed sure. big walls at all, and managed to crank the thing off in a month was unbelievable. So yeah, yeah. what he did was absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. But he didn't have to, um, you know, he just knew it could be done, and we had lo- lo- logistics worked out, um, which took, I mean, we were coming up with logistical changes, you know, right up to the bitter end. Right, it right. really helped. Yeah, and I think you just hit on what it is you know sports you know the four minute mile roger banister broke the four minute mile and pretty quickly after other people were doing it yeah you know but the four minute mile is something anybody could go try yeah you know not everybody was going to get anywhere close to it but but there were a lot of people pushing toward the four minute mile at the same time there were a lot of people saying it was impossible yeah the dom wall wasn't something that everybody could just go up and try 
Right. You know, it took, it took a lot of years of climbing on El Cap. It took 20-ish days of swinging around on a rope trying to find little razor blades that you can stand on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's something inherently different about that type of athletic achievement. And I think the exploration part is so key in it. Uh, I think that's such a, I mean, it's, it's a frontier really, you know, going up there and figuring out this path. So yeah, the people that are the most dedicated, I think are super curious. You know, they just want to, they, they really want to answer those questions of like, what are they capable of? What can you do in the sport or whatever it is? I mean, we, we're, we're talking about climbing as a sport, but I mean, it could be a science or it could, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I'm like always super curious about that. And the Donwall too is, was this attempt to uh, kind of figure out like these, these, I mean, I think in, originally I thought it would maybe push me to this place of like understanding my limits in terms of endurance, which it didn't actually do that in the end because it's just so darn hard that we had to climb really slow. Right. Um, but when I go into bigger mountains, it's I have found that that's an that's a venue because also in Kyrgyzstan, I we're we're pushed to this to, to this like breaking point and past. And right. Like right. We ha- we're forced to this place where we ha- where we had to come to this understanding that we're capable of way more than we than we thought we could have without sure. being forced in that position. So. I've always been really curious about that. And so I always picked these big climbs or these big objectives to kind of try and get me back there. Yeah, you were hoping the Donwall would take you to that place. Yeah, and it didn't in that way. Uh, It was more, I mean, it did in terms of like just sticking it out for a long long time, but it didn't like in terms of the endurance aspect and sort of like- Do you think there'll have to be that fear or danger element involved to get to that place again the no. same place you were in no i don't think so i think it's just a, i think uh, as i think more about it it's more it's just a it's just a mega endurance thing like ultra runners are curious about this gotcha you know, people who go on expeditions and go you know people who do these multi-day things without sleeping or eating right. i think it's the same it's more it's more that kind of curiosity yeah yeah and you guys had it I mean, as cush as you can have it up there, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah we got to a point where, like, the individual moves on the Don Wall were so hard that we had to make the rest of the environment yeah. as conducive yep. to being able to do those moves as possible. Yeah, you need so. good food, you need good sleep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were in our in our sleeping bags, like, 16 hours a day or something <laughs> up there. <laughs> eating, yeah, eating salmon and avocados <laughs> and sounds having, like sounds like the ideal thing to do yeah, having food delivered to us every five days it was it was incredibly <laughs> cush <laughs> that's perfect yeah you mentioned a couple times that that you were changing things right up until the last minute and i know one of those things was you had tried and tried and tried to do the dino pitch yeah. And had hurt yourself on it and had hurt yourself training for it. And and then you came up with this somewhat ridiculous solution yeah. that, again, goes right back to that belief thing. Like when you're on this big wall with all these blank sections and you finally find a way across, it would be really easy to say, this is the only way. You know, I have to do this. Yeah. But you went you went back eventually to there has to be another way. You know, I spent all this time, I found one way, but there still has to be another. And then you found it. 
you know, what was your mindset like when you finally decided to look for that loop pitch? Um, I'm, I mean, we went through this process over and over again where we'd get to sections and we would decide that they were too hard and then we'd look for alternatives and then we'd come, come and then sometimes we wouldn't find them. So we'd go back and try and work out that section. Right, right. And, then, and that section, the dyno was probably the, the place where that happened the most. Um, yep. I found the dyno pretty early on in that first 20 days of exploration. I found it yep. and I was like, I think this is the way, but then I kept like not being able to do it. I would train for it. Um, I re I measured out all the distances and rebuilt it at my house in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I trained there, yeah. and then I'd come back and I could never do it. And you ended up uh, tearing your labrum training yeah, on your labrum. shed for it, right? Yep, yeah. yep. Um, but then, so there's a bunch of times where I just like I can't do this. So we try different variations, but this variation that I ended up finding was just kind of absurd. Like I'd never heard of a pitch like that in climbing, so yeah. it just hadn't occurred to me <laughs> yeah ex- <laughs> until ex- it absolutely had to <laughs> explain that pitch i i understand what it looks like after having you know i heard your description of it on calusa's podcast and yeah and then i've read about it and looked at it and it's super interesting and and even though it's a little bit absurd i think that requires even more creativity and belief to figure out that that's how it's going to work yeah you know? because you could be like that's stupid. I'm not doing that. You know? So explain <laughs> yeah, I mean, how that pitch stupid, works. But all climbing is kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. I mean, so for climbers, for climbers, it seems pretty absurd because the previous pitch ends at the, you know, we tried to climb from no hand stance to no hand stance. Right, so right. it ends on this ledge that's like two inches thick. Yep. But the belays that are on the wall previously were oftentimes put in by aid climbers. Yep. And so just the, the way that this pitch was set up is you stop on this no hand stance and then you set up your portal ledge from this existing belay which is like you know three feet across from that no hand stance you can right. actually step from the no hand stance into the portal edge um but that three feet or that where the portal edge sits it's totally blank face right. absolutely blank face and that's the section we couldn't get around that blank yep. face right where the portal edge sits so the dyno was one way to do it you'd climb up 12 feet jump across this blank set this blank section and that was the dyno but i could yep. never do that so what i figured out is you could actually start on that no hand stance, climb back across the previous pitch, 30 feet, uh, down like a hundred feet across down below and then yep. up like uh, down a hundred feet across and then up a hundred feet and then end within reaching distance of the same portal edge that you right. just left. So right. it's like a 240 foot pitch or something that made you eight feet like, of progress. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that yeah. takes a ton of creativity to yeah. figure that out. Like I just have to find a way through here and maybe going right through it isn't the best way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it was just desperation that led to that in that in that moment, I guess. Yeah, but that you know, a lot of people's desperation would just end in quitting. Yeah. You know, and that your desperation ended in let's be creative and find a different way. Yeah. You know, I think that's pretty important. Yeah, you know, I think that's a maturity thing more than anything. Like sure, when I was when sure. I was when I was eighteen years old, there's no way I would have had that kind of patience. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, for sure. That makes good yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely didn't have that kind of patience when I was 18 <laughs> years old. Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to talk about as far as belief goes and the Don Wall was in 2011, you said that was your final season. Like, mm. I'm doing it. It's done. If I don't do it, I'm over it. And then that season kind of beat you down. Yeah, really uh, beat me down. Let you know who's boss a little bit. Mm. But then you didn't quit. 
you know, why? Yeah, I mean, it came down to I thought my lifestyle was changing in a way that wasn't going to allow me to go back. I was gonna, uh, had a kid on the way. Right. Um, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to dedicate this t- much of my life towards the Don Wall. And I thought it was an all-consuming project at that point. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, this is it. If I don't do it, I'm, I'm done. And then I didn't do it. Um, but then... I think it was my wife more than anything that kind of talked me into going back. Cause like the, the idea of leaving it completely was pretty depressing for me. Like I felt right. like I was going to be direct directionless in a way. After yeah. It was that. a big part of your life. Yeah. And so she saw that in me and she's like, I think you should keep trying. And she's somebody who is, she's like a dabbler in everything. She's mm-hmm. very um, good at balancing all aspects of life where that's my weakness. Probably I tend to focus on one thing and like go full bore into that. Right. And so having somebody that's the, the opposite end of that spectrum is really good for me. And she, she thought that maybe achieving better balance in life would actually help me. Mm-hmm. And it did in the end. I mean, I think that what I did is I decided I would only focus on the Don Wall for like four months a year instead of 12. <laughs> right, right, right. After that, I would go, we'd go to Yosemite uh, because we like bringing our kids to Yosemite. We wanted to show yep. them the place the same way that my dad had showed me the place. Yep. And having the Don Wall as an extra incentive to do that was going to just help that whole scene. So she was able to look at him. She's like, yeah, why not? You should just keep trying this. It'll get us to Yosemite. I love Yosemite. And so... Yeah, it's like the it's funny like the whole idea of belief is a little bit of a weird thing in my mind because belief in a way comes from not caring about success. <laughs> sure. Yep. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to ask is that yeah. was that year kind of the reset that you needed like take your mind off of the objective and by adding all these new things in this adding in the baby, you know, adding in just this whole new aspect of your life you had to focus a little more on the process when it was there and less on i need to do the don wall yeah absolutely i floated in and out of that like there'd be times where i'd be like i'm just gonna go to yosemite and i'm not i'm gonna i'm gonna climb up on the don wall we'll see if things come together but then things would start to come together and then i would be like we're going to freaking send the thing. And I would get so focused on yeah, like the success yeah. again. But I think it was really important to not always be focused on the yep. success. It, was, it totally. was really important to kind of like float from one sort of attitude towards the road. There's times when it was great to full, to drive full bore ahead. There's, you know, I spent a lot of time up there just partying with friends too. Right, and that was right. really important too. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think that's important even on like single pitch sport routes. Like there are times when you need to, you need to fucking go, you need to send it, you need to, try really fucking hard and then there are times when you know it's more fun just to hang out at the base or take it a bolt and laugh with your friends or whatever it is yeah it's funny sport climbers uh sport climbing is an incredibly mental game right for sure and um I mean, I haven't, I can't even count how many times I've heard this story where somebody was so focused on a project, they were driving so hard and then they sent it because they kind of gave up. Yeah. I, for a long time, I wanted to like disprove that. Yeah. (laughs) And then every time I would like somehow get beat down on a project and then I would be like, I'm just going to go climb on it. I don't, I'm over it. I don't care. I would send and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm yeah, trying to relax. disprove this yeah. Chris Sharma attitude. And, yeah, it works. But it, it works every every time. Yeah, something about being freed from the yeah. mental anguish is 
Yeah. You know, some people just naturally have that like Chris Sharma. He's just yep. always kind of freed or mostly kind of freed. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm not like that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you I'm tend just, to focus in on it. And, yeah, a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Kevin helped take you out of that in the end or was he the same way? Um, Kevin... <clears throat> I mean, I think Kevin went through a similar process. He actually wanted to give up a lot more than I did. And mm-hmm. I would kind of talk him into coming back or right. I would push him. On. I think for Kevin, it was kind of interesting because I loved being up there, right? I I had this idea that we might do it in the end, um, which at sometimes I tried to focus on and sometimes I wouldn't. Uh, Kevin was very different. I feel like he wanted to learn. Um, right. But I also feel like in some ways he didn't really care that much whether we did it um right right because for him he saw it as like i'm learning while i'm here and this is good for my career he 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 saw the don wall as like a business opportunity sure which was very different than me like we clashed a little bit in that way i was like this was about the heart for me you know i come i'm kind of old school in that way you can't turn climbing into a business for him he's like why not you know this is great this is like dude this is this is doing the things that my sponsors want for me just by being here even if we don't send it and so I think that's why he came back over and over again. Yeah. Ultimately, did you adopt any of his thoughts? And do you think he adopted any of yours? Yeah. With it? Yeah. Yeah. It was strange. I mean, I think the partnership with Kevin was really, really crazy um, because we came at it from such different directions. Like all of my climbing partners of the past, I'm like super close to, you know, right. they're like the people that I go to for like relationship advice or um, you know, you like bond and climbing with Kevin. He was like a colleague. We actually yeah. never became super close friends throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned several times in the book that you were still kind of, that there were times when you would look for that, like hope that that was what was about to happen. Yeah. Cause that's what was built within me. I was like, God, is there something wrong with me? Like, should we not be climbing together because we don't hang out together and drink beers afterwards. Right, like right. I would, I would invite him to come hang out and he would always turn me down and I would be like hurt by that almost. Sure. Um, but I think in the end, actually it was probably really kind of a, like the relationship worked quite well in terms, cause our roles were so defined and he brought things that I just totally went, I definitely adopted a lot of things from Kevin. Um, like his very scientific approach, like move by move. He's yep. such a scientist. He's got this like photographic memory. Um, and then in terms of like the career aspects after a while, I was like, ah, he's kind of right. Like we're just here. Like why, why just keep this experience to ourselves? He's the one that introduced social media to the right, whole thing. Right. And which is how I got to watch a live stream of yeah, it at the which, end there. Yeah, that just was so weird for me at first. <laughs> the New York Times ran a huge piece about that when yeah. we, the first year that he did that. Yeah. Um, like, it, should this be something that's in the mountains? It should be in the mountains or not? And I was more like, it shouldn't be in the mountains at that time. But yeah. then I'd come down and I'd meet people like you who were, were super psyched to watch it. And I was yeah. like, God, maybe, maybe by just keeping this experience to us, maybe that's actually more selfish. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah. in the end, I I totally got on board. I started doing my Instagram updates, and that's why it blew up in the media in the end, which has changed my life. You know, it's yeah. changed my life in a lot of ways, for better and for worse. Yeah, I and think. then you <laughs> threw your phone off the wall and told everyone you dropped it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still hugely <laughs> conflicted about it, but uh, um, it did. But I mean, honestly, I think that one of the reasons that I was able to keep going back year after year after year is because financially it did make sense, and that wouldn't have happened without Kevin's view of the sure, thing. sure. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that, but that's a that's an important piece to it for sure. Yeah, like 
like it was i i could kind of pull this guy around i'm i have to go to work (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) this is my job yeah this is is my job honey yeah and speaking of jobs this podcast is part of my job so i wanted to tell you guys how you could help support a little bit and after this one minute break we'll be back talking with tommy caldwell about partnership hey everybody chris here i'll try to keep this short and sweet Since this thing became officially official, I've basically been obsessed. I've got dozens of episodes waiting to go out, and I'm constantly recording new conversations. I want to continue putting this level of energy into it, and you all can help. We've created a page at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast where you can help support what we're building. In return, even for as little as a dollar per month, you'll get access to the brand new We Scream Like Eagles podcast, which includes tips from our guests, extra conversations about hot topics, and Q&As with your questions posed to our guests. If you think it's worth more than a dollar a month, we've got other rewards available on top of the bonus episodes like stickers, ebooks, t-shirts, and training plans. So, if you've been considering pitching in, now's the time. That's patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. Thanks a ton, and back to the show. The climbing's kind of a selfish thing, like inherently it is, you know, we have our, we have our projects that we're focused on and our friends are focused on their own projects. And so climbing becomes this inherently selfish thing, but, you know, and I've talked to your friend, Justin Shong on the podcast. And when I, when I said climbing is selfish, he got really offended and, you know, kind of wanted to argue about it. And, and we did, and it was a great conversation. And and I agree that it shouldn't be so selfish that partnership is a really, really big part of it. Yeah. Where do you think that first came up in your life? Like where did that partnership within climbing come from? Because I feel like so many young climbers coming up right now, it stays really selfish for them for a long time. Yeah. I mean, probably from my dad more than anything. I mean, everything I got in climbing was from my dad. Yeah. And he was um, so dedicated to... I mean, when I was young, he took me climbing because he wanted to go climbing. Sure. Um, so, yep. it was kind of selfish. Yep. But at some point, it became way, way more... Like, once I got old enough that we could really be partners in climbing, um, he he gave so much to me to help me go climbing and even that could be considered selfish because you like to think about that you're like okay so is he helping me because you know i think you you your ego has played out through your children a little that way yeah i think it was that way for my dad but even in that like he gave his life to helping me be a better climber yeah um which was selfish in some ways but selfless in others so there's the combination of those two things yeah Um, did he have regular partners when you were really young he did when i was really young um he's funny he's he's such a teacher he's been a middle school he was a middle school teacher for 24 years that he would find people he would mentor them and then when they got to a point where they kind of went off there on their own he would stop climbing with them for the most part he's still like that he still climbs with like middle school students even though he's 67 years old right Um, still doing it yeah he loves to just teach people about climbing and show them this world um which I've have that in me now. I think that's one. Of, I'm. I think one of my favorite parts about the partnership with Kevin is that I was mentoring him. I was taking this thing that I knew so much about and passing yep. it on. And I love that. I think I got that mentality from my dad. Yeah. How do you? How do you choose a partner? What do you look for 
in a partner? Is it something you need to go out and climb with them and determine if you guys should climb together more or is it a friendship first? Um, you know, I think it's not necessarily a friendship first. I think for me, it usually just starts with somebody else that is, that is, well, they can, they can start, there can be, there can be two, th- two ways to do it. Okay. Um, and the way that doesn't work is good, but this is what happened on the Dawn wall is that you find something you really want to climb and then you find somebody else that is just keen on doing that thing as well. Yep. And so it, it kind of puts the climb above the partnership. Mm-hmm. That's what happened on the Dawn wall. The way that I enjoy the most though, and that I think I will always look for moving forward is I find the partner, the friend, and then we find the climb that we want to do together. So that means right. that the partnership is above the climb. And if that's the case, it's just always good going to be a way um more fulfilling experience in terms of what i want because i'm carry because now you know it's taken me a lot of years to get here but now i care way more about the experience than the than the actual like check mark in the box Mm -hmm. at the end of the day um so that's like my my climbs i do with alex or Arnold are way more that way we're just like dude let's we love climbing together this is so amazing we get together we should go do something and what that means is when we go out no matter what it is if we fail if we succeed if we're total if it's absolutely miserable we always come back like having gotten so much out of the experience yeah when it when it's something like alex and you guys did the fitz traverse was and you were kind of the mentor in that role as well you know you guys are friends but you were definitely the the more experienced in that realm right yeah a little bit is it always that way or is there a give and take are there i mean i guess it's going to be tough because you're probably the most well-rounded climber on the planet but are there times when you feel like someone else you're climbing with is the mentor in a certain situation yeah i mean usually when i go out with alex that's that's how it goes actually usually it's he has some 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 climb he wants to do or we or or we have something that i mean he 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 has like these giant lists of like i want to do this climb i want to do this climb i want to do this climb and so sometimes we're like we want to get together and climb so we'll like basically pull up that list and be like which one of these should we do together yeah and since it's his list it's like we won't actually pull it up but you know this is sure sure sure. yeah yeah um since it's his list he will take the lead and then in terms of moving over giant swaths of technical hard granite (laughs) super fast he's the master right and so i always feel like i'm kind of drafting you know i'm kind of flapping in the breeze at the bottom end of the road below him which is amazing i mean it's great to be able to do that i think i love that um in some ways yeah i'm probably equally as much as being the leader yeah um with alex it's nice because it can kind of swap either way like if we're in a more alpine environment maybe i'll take the lead a little bit like on the fitch traverse but when we climbed you know three roots the the three major faces in yosemite in a day he took the lead on that right right i think that's cool that you you're able to have that give and take with alex yeah you know i hadn't really until i was asking you the question i hadn't really thought about is there a situation where tommy caldwell can be mentored yeah when you're out climbing but yeah with alex it's definitely that way totally makes sense that that would be a good partner for you yeah and these days i'm i feel like i'm mentored when i go out um like with young strong boulders yeah totally (laughs) sport climbers like i learned so much from them and so i'm really i'm you know i'm soaking up the knowledge way more than i'm doling it out in that environment yeah that's cool to hear i think that's really important for people to hear too because it's really easy to let your ego get in the way and and not learn from the people that you're around. Yeah. You know? But there's more often times than not, there's something to learn in that situation. So, yeah. you know, if you're still going out there with these young boulders learning, 
then you know everyone can for sure yeah i mean probably one of the major pieces of the puzzle that came together in the end before the don wall is that i did a trip with alex magos right he's like 22 years old yeah you know, he's like 22 years old he's 23 phenomenal. years old and he was like raised like a future <clears throat> olympian you yeah. know he like trains indoors primarily with like yoga balls and on hang boards and stopwatches <laughs> yeah. and i'd never done any of that stuff really right and and so i was like maybe i should try this um, Jonathan Segrist, he yep. is such a scientist and when it comes to training that when I'm with him, I feel like I'm learning tons. He's got the yep. nutrition worked out and he knows about all the science. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the best situation is when you can be both a mentor and uh, a mentor and you can be the, you, know, you can be the teacher and the student at the same time in different realms. Yeah. So something that made me really want to talk about partnership today was and everyone witnessed it was that you kind of hung back and waited for Kevin and the Don wall was your dream. It was your baby, you know, a, a giant baby, but it was your baby. And, and you didn't have to do that. You know, do you think that that waiting, holding back and waiting for Kevin and supporting Kevin, do you think that came from your mom's sensitivity or your dad's adventure ethic or where did that, come from that you didn't just blast to the top yeah that's an interesting question i don't know where it came. i think at the time i was thinking that it came more from like this sort of moral standard of right. climbing partnership yep um just simply blasting to the top would have felt quite douchey <laughs> yeah well tell i mean tell me about that moral standard because yeah. i think a lot of sport climbers and boulders don't necessarily understand that moral standard yeah um i think it probably comes from the fact that i'm kind of an old man in climbing and that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these days and that's how it used to be <laughs> way more when you go out into big mountains i mean i think i'm i'm lucky enough to be in a place where i i really understand the ethics of the old school and like when you go into the mountains and the brotherhood of that yep. i'm also able to understand the new school and combining all those is kind of like my sweet spot yeah and i have to find the moral standard that applies to all those or i don't know i guess in maybe the new school that has much less of a moral standard generally mm -hmm. like you talk about the boulders and the sport climbers they're not gonna um really compromise their own objectives for their partners for the most part simply because right. they don't have to <laughs> right yeah in most <laughs> cases you don't have to yeah but on the dawn wall we did so it was more like a big mountain uh, you know objective it was it was like going on an expedition with somebody and you don't leave your you don't leave your buddy stranded in, up on the mountain <laughs> yeah are there are there things you think that sport climbers and boulders or this new school wave of climbers could learn from that old school ethic or that you know alpine ethic yeah, I mean, I think in terms of sending the gnar on the sport crag and the boulders, it's probably best to be as selfish as possible in terms yep. of like if that's going to make you send the gnar. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but if you want the life experience that's going to be meaningful and lasting, it's gonna yeah. you're going to have to adopt some of the old school moral standards a bit. Yeah. Um, and I think that the people who who think of partnership first are the ones that tend to be the lifers. You know, they're the ones that are out there forever. They're, they're going to be the guys that are like 80 years old sitting in the coffee shop with their old climbing buddies, yep. like talking about the good old days. And they're still going to be um, gaining from those experiences yep. you know, their entire life. Yeah. And still stoked to go climbing even when they're, yeah. they don't climb as well as they did 20 years ago, but yeah. we still love this shit. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. Um, you wrote something in the book that that I thought was pretty cool, and it was about pitch twenty one, which was the final hard pitch, right? Like the last five thirteen pitch, or yeah. And then from there, it was pretty much you could guarantee that you could go to the top in a pretty quick push. Yeah, yeah, barring something very bad happening. Right. So you were kind of shoring up your chances and making sure that you could get it done if Kevin wasn't able to pull through on pitch 15 or whatever that pitch yeah, was that he had so much trouble on. Yeah. And you you finished that pitch and well even before you finished it you wrote that you knew it was almost as important that you didn't put any more pressure on Kevin that you do that pitch. Like you're you're placing equal importance on getting this last this doorway pitch done to I can't put any more pressure on Kevin because he's got enough on himself. Yeah. You know, that in that moment especially when it's like I have this one last hard pitch to do and then I could blast to the top whenever I would need to. It seems like such a an immensely selfless act to say, but I don't want to put any more pressure on Kevin. Why do you think you even thought of that in that moment? I mean, I think I, I'd been feeling a bit guilty for the last you know, four or five days when I was sort of blasting ahead of him in some ways. And so gotcha. like sort of the pressure had been building, like, it, you know, each picture that I do, you could see the pressure building on Kevin. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then I think immediately once I got to Wino Tower at the pitch of top twenty, the the route was basically done for me. Like my immediate reaction was like my battle's done with. Basically, I yeah. need to, I need to go for the team. So I think in life you need to you need to figure out the times where you have to focus on yourself, and then you need to figure out the times where you need to focus on the team. And so there's just you know getting good at identifying those switches in moments is really important yeah um yeah and it, you write in the book that when you did get to wino tower which that's what you said is the finish of pitch 21 yeah right? you got to wino tower and you were around the corner from kevin yep and you sat there and composed yourself because you didn't really want to celebrate you didn't want to again put more pressure on him yeah. and then you were right back into that i'm gonna go support kevin mode. yeah yeah i tried to like by the time i got back to the portal edge down at the base of pitch 21 i tried to get myself mentally to a place where i was when i left like oh we're just we're still climbing on this thing like nothing has changed wow. <laughs> you that's, know that's and, so huge man yeah and in the in the book you always there are all these passages and i highlighted a bunch of them but there were so many that I was just like, I'll just talk about it in general, where you talk about being able to feel Kevin's emotions through the rope or, you know, knowing his climbing so well or understanding what's going on so well that you knew he was going to fall a few minutes before he fell. Yeah. You know, there was some sort of connection up there. Even if you guys weren't, didn't turn into great friends, there was some undeniable connection that was happening. And you talk about being able to feel it through the rope pretty often. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. I mean, is that something that you were recognizing while you were up there? And did that make you feel like you had this duty to support him? Was it just those ethics of, yeah, 
you know, I think it was the emotional journey. Like we were doing that together. Like when climb, when Kevin was climbing, it was super intense for me, almost the same way it was when I was climbing. Right, like right, I would, right. I would feel the nervousness. And I think, yeah, when I would illustrate it in the book by saying, talking about feeling it through the rope, um, which I guess that's kind of what you'd think about. Cause you're like, you're trying to sense rope movement and yeah, um, yeah you really want your buddy to, to do good. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, there was a very close bond in that way that was not friendship, but you know, something pretty magical. Did you guys know that like the whole, I mean, obviously you knew, but did having the whole world watching you intensify that? Um, I think, I think it intensified it for me supporting Kevin. Yeah. Um, but I think I was basically already Wino Towers by the time the whole world really like yeah. latched onto the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I mean, it, it was starting to catch hold maybe a day or two before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I was trying to think as little about the rest of the world as possible. Um, but when Kevin, it's gotta be hard to block out though. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I always felt like I was in a bubble up on El Cap. Um, that was just like, I was just, I've been climbing up there for 20 years. And so when I, when I go up there, it's like, that's my space. And I sort of block out the rest of the world. You're home up there. Yeah. And I like that. That's that's one of the things I love about it. That's that's why, that's why I was so conflicted about the whole social media thing. Cause it would change, it changed that a little bit, but it was still pretty mentally, pretty easy, easy for me to just think about being in the moment up there. That's why, yeah. that's why I was so happy when my phone, when I dropped my phone off the wall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or threw it off, whichever it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Kevin, <clears throat> he always thought about, you know, what everybody, like it was always in the top of his mind about like what everybody else was thinking about right. uh, the climb and people rooting for him or not rooting for him. And so it, that intensified the situation. Like when we had photographers up there, climb, Kevin would climb so much more intense. <laughs> oh yeah. And so that made me want it more for him. Cause when he wants it badly, that makes your partner really want yeah. it badly too. Yeah. And he would try so hard and that was inspiring. And he, he, he tended to rise to the level when all the, when everything was on the line in this way that was hugely just like inspiring and incredible. Do you think that was part of, why he did it initially i mean it pulled the social media in and all of that other other than just being a way to make an income out of going climbing do you think he knew that that having that intensity those eyes on him would make him perform better probably yeah no that's a great point i love that point actually i feel like that probably pegs him um yeah, really well. It was funny. We climbed on the Donwall for about eight months when he first joined the project, just the two of us. Yeah. And he would always top rope and he was kind of scared. And then and then our buddy Tim Kemp- Kempel came up to yep. take pictures yeah, for Tim. Black Diamond. Yeah. And suddenly Kevin was like being super bold <laughs> on lead. And Turned like, on all oh of a sudden God, for the all cameras. Of a sudden he, he went from being like this very, like this fawn on ice to being a total badass. Right. And so that was probably a powerful enough experience that for the rest of the time, he's like, this just helps me. Yeah, bring on the cameras. Yeah, if I'm going to get this done, I need this. I need the Kodak courage. Yeah. Yeah. Which is easy to judge, but maybe it's not such a bad thing. 
you know? Yeah, you know, I, I my fiance always tells me that when I'm when we're bouldering and I'm struggling on something, but then a group of people walks up, she knows I'm going to send because I just like to perform. I like to be in front of people and <laughs> you know, I flip yeah. a switch and I'm able to turn it on. So yeah. so I know those are my moments. Like yeah. some people don't like the crowd and they shy away and they perform better that way. Yeah. I know when the crowd comes up that's when I should get on. Yeah. You know, and I, I, maybe Kevin knew the same thing going into it. So. Yeah. It's funny. I really, I really aspire to find the flow state, which in my mind means blocking everything out. So yep. I think I tend to not like the crowd that much. Um, when everything is like at its optimum, like when you're achieving that flow state, which is really rare for me, but I'd like the crowd too. Sometimes like, uh, it's funny when I'm bouldering in my Woody at home and I like have a, probably get these projects that I work on for weeks, just on yep. my little Woody at home. Yep, totally. I'm not, if I'm getting close, I'm like, I'm not quite doing it. Sometimes I go get my wife and I'm like, just come hang yeah. with me. I need like the girl power. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. And I think the flow state's something interesting, right? Because, you know, in the moments that I've entered it, there's almost always a crowd around, but I don't, I don't hear them. I don't notice them. Mm-hmm. Or I can like pick out my daughter's voice or I can pick out my fiance's voice. And then, and then when I get to the top, it's that moment like, or, or when I get past whatever I needed that state for, it's like all the sound floods back in and all of a sudden I can hear everyone and I'm like, whoa, where were all those people a second ago? Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I've experienced that, although I think probably my most powerful moments in the mountains are, uh, well, some of my, many of my most powerful moments are when I am all alone. Yeah. And I guess I'm just a little bit more of an introvert that way. Yeah. I'm like too self-conscious around other people. Yeah, do you think? Sometimes blocks flow. Just out of curiosity, I know Alex is somewhat introverted. I mean, he's an introverted guy, but. Obviously, there's a lot of cameras around uh, for a lot of these things. Are you and Alex able to like get into your own bubble regardless of the cameras when you guys are out climbing? You know, we haven't climbed around cameras that much, honestly. Okay. We climbed so just on a couple for things we've seen the films for. Yeah. yeah, good point. <laughs> I mean, the cameras will be there on the top. Um, or we made this, it's funny, there, there was this this film project that I was involved in, it's my greatest film. Like my, like I love this film out of all the film projects I've been involved in. The line across the sky is kind of my favorite. Yeah. And I think it came you out. You guys so, filmed that. Yeah. Right? It came out so good because we didn't think we were making a film. Right. Uh, right. We had a camera, our, you know, our buddy told us to bring a camera and shoot footage. So we were doing it sort of begrud- begrud- begrudgingly. Yeah. And, but we only pulled out the camera occasionally and we just kind of were goofing off with it. We're like, there's no way they're going to make anything out of this. Yeah. Anyways, we're probably not even going to succeed. So we're just being goofy and being totally ourselves. Yeah. And I think that was the magic behind that film is not I think you're understanding right. that we were making a film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it made it so that we were just talking like we normally do. We weren't speaking to the audience, to the greater audience at all. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's pretty big. I hadn't really thought of it like that because that's what I liked about it was how candid it was and the honesty in it. And knowing that you didn't even know you were really making a film that wasn't your intention yeah that makes total sense yeah yeah that's pretty cool so what's your climbing looking like these days as far as you know are you are you finding enough to fill you up like the dawn wall did i mean did that leave a void uh i f- I feel like in climbing, I'm floundering a little bit because I realize I just have too much on the plate to focus as intensely on climbing as sure. I 
used to. Um, yeah. That's because I was writing the book, which I just finished. Yeah. Like I've, I yeah. honestly, I, I I wrote the book, um, and then I did the tour, and that ended like a week ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm fresh off, fresh that. off the tour. This is the first. Yeah, this this week right now, I'm for the first time. I'm like, wow, this is the first time in over a decade where I don't have some super crazy project that I'm sort of leading up to. Yeah. And then this podcaster guy's like, hey, <laughs> on your on your break. <laughs> you know, the, no, this it's nice actually. For the moment it's nice. I know that I really want those projects to focus in on. Like I like I yeah. like the life that that formats a lot. But I think I'm realizing that I need a break from that right now. And um and I and sometimes that focus um, comes at the expense of other things in life, like being a good dad. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I sure. think that's more what I'm trying to focus on right now, being yeah. a husband. Yeah, I think that's smart. And I think, you know, it seems like from reading your book and from talking to you now that Becca's going to keep you on that path regardless. Yeah. You know, I think that's important to have, like, a, a big yin to the yang. You're this super focused person, and she she's well-rounded and you know can keep it all keep all the balls in the air at the same time yeah you know that's super important to have so yeah. you're a lucky dude for sure yeah that's for sure yeah. yeah cool man well i appreciate you coming over and sitting down with me and even though you just came off this crazy tour and oh no know, problem getting your life back no this is this so. is nice this is mellow we're just hanging out in your backyard chatting so yeah it's good i appreciate it dude thank you yeah no problem yeah pleasure Thanks to Tommy again for coming out and sitting down with me. You know, I know he was jam-packed during the Climbers Festival and he had the family there and he had just come off tour. So it means a lot to me that Tommy took the time out to sit down and, and have this thoughtful conversation with me. So thanks to Tommy. You can find him online at TommyCaldwell.com. Of course, he's on the Instagram and the Facebooks and probably on the Twitter as well, even though I'm not. Uh, and if you haven't checked out the push, go do that. Uh, seriously, it's one of the best, you know, best uh, climbing books, climbing literature. I, I hesitate to even call it a book. Um, it's bigger than that, I think. Uh, it's a memoir, and uh, I think it's one of the best that I've read in a long, long time. So go check out the push. And again, if you buy it through our site, through the blog post for this podcast episode, we get a little bit of kickback. Doesn't raise your price at all just helps us out and we appreciate any of that help uh bozeman montana we're coming for you talk to the folks at spire get signed up we'll be there november 13th through the 19th doing a live podcast with kelsey sather really excited to to meet all the folks up in montana i've heard so much about the great community there stoked to come up and meet everybody um you know where to find us powercompanyclimbing.com We've got training programs there. We've got our new process journal is out. Uh, definitely go go see if anything on the site fits you. Hit us up. We've got some spots in our online training. Nate's got some open spots. Um, check us out. You can also find us on the Instagrams and on the Facebooks and on the Pinterests at Power Company Climbing. Uh, different feeds all over the place. So please follow us on all those platforms. Um, uh, it's kind of willy-nilly, but it's all different. I hate the cross-posting thing. I used to do it. Not a big fan anymore. You can go look for us on the Twitter as well. However, you will never, ever, 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 ever find us on the Twitter because we don't tweet. 
we scream like eagles. Time to finish. This 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 time to fin